the tangle that is our lives. Let me ask you a question. How do you handle confusion in your life? What is your tolerance for it? Do you run from it? Do you uh, allow yourself to be uncertain for a period of time? Uh, how do you deal with uncertainty and confusion? Well, that's just the kind of question we love to ask here on this podcast, Poetry, Passion, and Pleasure with your host, Dale Byron. This is the podcast where we delve fearlessly into uh, poems that help us in everyday practical ways. This is the place for that. Okay. So here's the notes I was making for myself when I was thinking about the uh, theme and uh, the content of today's um, uh, episode. How do we handle confusion? I've already asked that. Is it disorienting? Is it uncomfortable? Do we rush to resolution? Anything rather than experiencing uncertainty, do we do that? What if we could allow a little more confusion so that when we get a glimpse of insight, it would be even more impactful. It would be even more impactful and even more pleasurable. And yes, I do believe, especially if we've been confused by something for a long time, that when someone puts, um, uh, when someone sort of gets us, when someone describes the phenomenon that we are confused by, that we are thinking about in a clear way or a more clear way than we've been able to articulate it ourselves, I think that is incredibly pleasurable. At least it is for me. So uh, that's what we want to delve into. And I was thinking, you know, um, the great poet, philosopher, farmer, professor Wendell Berry once said, in a great poem, the mind that is not baffled is not employed. <laughs> so there is something to allowing ourselves to be baffled, to allowing ourselves to be uncertain, which then I think in a kind of um, interesting uh, paradoxical way allows us to enjoy, step into the insight when we when we have the insights or when we uh, find them in other people's work and writing even more deeply and uh, we're able to uh, to enjoy them more deeply. So here's my first poem today. It's called Curve Build Thrasher by uh, Shara Hammonds. And um, I'll, I'll, let's do the poem and then we'll talk a little bit about the theme and how why I picked this poem. Okay, Curve Build Thrasher. The Curve Build Thrasher digs the small purple potatoes. Of course, this is a bird. <laughs> curve Build Thrasher. The curved, the Curve Build Thrasher digs the small purple potatoes from the raised garden beds and ruins them. He sets them back. He sets them back into the hollows in which they grew, each, each, speared, each speared neatly once through the heart. The radishes, too, the radishes, too, become his casualties. Red and white targets 
bullseyed by a bird's whim. <laughs> so do you, do you, are you beginning to get the, the scene is, pre, is set pretty clear here. Here is this bird that's terrorizing their backyard garden. And boy, can I relate to this because I have raised back uh, garden beds and uh, uh, I have to put netting down so that the birds don't eat all my seeds. But uh, anyway, so um, again, the curved bill thrasher digs the small potatoes from the raised garden beds and ruins them. He sets them back into the hollows in which they grew, each speared neatly once through the heart. The radishes, too, the radishes, too, become his casualties, red and white targets, bullseyed by a bird's whim. When the thrasher gets trapped in the garden shed, who wouldn't hesitate? Who wouldn't hesitate before opening the door and losing him? Uh, knowing he will return to his mischief. We give up. We give up then on the garden. Through the hot days, though the hot days drag on, the growing season is already too far gone for anything to be replanted. We fry the few yellow squash blossoms, which the bird has deemed <laughs> we should keep, and lick salt and oil from our fingers. We forgive the bird. We forgive the bird, which is the same as we are. We forgive the bird, which is the same as we are, trying in his own way to learn how to love the world every day, every day allocating to himself just a little bit more of it. I have wondered for a long time the um, cultural stories that we are telling ourselves, the cultural and economic stories that we are telling ourselves that are allowing um, as a mass of humanity as a species, what has allowed us to continue to um, destroy precious things in the world. And the sudden hit of insight when I read this poem, and the sudden hit of empathy I had for we humans who are caught up in a story, who are caught up in an imperative which has us doing things which on another level are confusing and totally um um yeah i mean it's it's how in the world could we be doing what we're doing to the natural world uh, we are making casualties of the oceans of the soil of the air of the ice caps but what we are doing, this poem, the insight of this poem, the sudden, the delight of this poem says that like the curve-billed thrasher, we humans 
are trying to learn to love the world. We are trying to learn to love the world. And we're trying now to learn to love the world in a way that does not destroy the world at the same time. And this poem about this strange little bird um, helped me see this. And these images helped me see it in a fresh way. You know, the poet Robert Frost, the famous poet, Robert Frost said that poems are essentially little stays against the confusion. That poems are little stays against the confusion. And that's what I find this poem to be for me. And because this is such a um, conundrum, a paradox, a um, it's such a confusion for me, why as a species, humans, homo sapiens, those who know that we would be doing these things to our very a natural world which we are embedded in and which is coming back, of course, to bite us in very difficult ways. But it, the poem also says, what is possible? We must redeem ourselves. Um, wonderful poem, Curved Bill Thrasher by Chera, Chera Hammonds, and uh, just an amazing poet. So let's switch gears. Again, this theme, you know, how do we deal with uh, uncertainty? And um, how do we work with confusion? Do we have to um, rush so quickly uh, past uncertainty? Are we so um, uncomfortable with not knowing that we rush into certainty? And I think one of the things which is, is and has caused us problems as human beings, as a species, of animals is our inability to stay with uncertainty so that we can see deeper levels of complexity so that we can begin to see not just the first order results of what we do, but the second and third and fourth orders, which is um, another way of saying, seeing the world through um uh, systemic or systems eyes. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little while. But first, I want to do a short poem by the amazing poet Robinson Robinson Jeffers, who uh, lived actually in Carmel and uh, born in the late 1800s, lived until the 1960s, was sort of a rock star poet. But uh, because he began to speak so fervently about the natural world, and protecting the natural world that he actually um, he was also a pacifist. So he actually ran into a lot of um, um, public um, trouble. Let's say it, say it that way. Okay, this is a famous poem of his called Carmel Point. Carmel Point. Remember, he was uh, lived there for many, many years. Carmel Point. The, the extraordinary patience of things how he starts the poem with that wonderful line, the extraordinary patience of things. This beautiful place defaced with a crop of suburban houses. How beautiful 
when we first beheld it, unbroken field of poppy and lupine, walled with clean cliffs, no intrusion, no intrusion, but two or three houses pasturing, or a few cows rubbing their flanks on the outcrop rocks. Now the spoiler has come. Does it care? Now the spoiler has come. Does it care? Not faintly, not faintly. It has all time. It knows the people are a tide that faintly swells and in time will ebb and all their works dissolve. Meanwhile, the image of the pristine beauty, meanwhile, the image of the pristine beauty lives in the very grain of the granite, safe as the endless ocean that climbs our cliff. As for us, as for us, we must uncenter our minds from ourselves. We must unhumanize our views a little, and become confident as the rock and the ocean that we were made from. Robinson Jeffers, um, his poem, Carmel Point. I was thinking uh, about this poem, and I was thinking that the scientists, the language that the scientists use, the scientists say it is systems theory. It is systems theory. The philosopher speaks about a wide boundary view, a wide boundary view that values more than what is human, that values um, animals, redwood trees, oceans, uh, mountains. The scientist says and speaks in a language of systems theory. The philosopher speaks about a wide boundary view that values more than what is human. And then I wrote, and then I wrote, the poet says, we must uncenter our minds from ourselves. We must unhumanize our views a little and become confident as the rock and the ocean that we were made from. So here is, for me, um, you know, we can read, and I have, and I, and I really appreciate the scientific perspective as, you know, as much as I can, being not a scientist, um, but trying to understand the systems theory, because that is what we have to do. The systems theory understands the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth order results, or the, um, uh, as, as, as someone says, consequences of our actions. That, to have a systems view of the world is to see the relationships between things, not just the things. The relationships, the web of life, not just the individual components which we 
have um, um, pulled out and consider they are the only things like the relationships really don't matter. But they do matter. And yet what I what I believe is that, of course, we need the scientists, the scientific language, uh, even the mathematic language of systems. But we also need, as we were talking about, the philosopher, that language, which is wide boundary, being able to see, to broaden our boundaries so that we're not just concerned about one species, the human species, the human animal, but that we are and we can see and appreciate boundaries that are that fall down in the face of our being able to understand the world in more holistic ways as opposed to pulling it apart and analyzing it not that that's wrong but it's wrong if that's all we do and then finally what just like robinson jeffers said and this is that little you know like that idea that that we can actually use a poem to help us break through the uncertainty, to have those moments, those little, as, as uh, Frost said, those little stays of confusion where we have some clarity, at least for a moment, for a moment. And Jeffers, remember, he says, we must uncenter our minds from ourselves. We must broaden the boundaries. We must unhumanize our views a little just a little, and become confident as the rock and the ocean that we were made from. We are not, you know, uh, I've said this on this podcast many times, we don't live on the earth, we live in the earth, we are of the earth. The earth peoples like an apple tree apples. We are not separate from as I've said many times before, and we use the word natural resources, like we need to protect the environment as though the environment were not the natural world or and, and is us. There is no separate environment. There is none. It's just us. Okay, the last poem is a, a poem called How to Change a System. And uh, let's see, um, this is the third and last poem, and let's see if this one fits. I hope it does. Uh, let's, let's, let's give it a whirl. How to change a system. Okay. To start with, to start with, reduce all trying by 72%. To start with, to start with, reduce all trying by 72%. That means you're less likely to try too long or hard. Maybe you'll get as humble as a hound dog chasing a mad, revengeful skunk up a tree. Look out! <laughs> whatever boundaries you see, whatever boundaries you see, forget about them. Forget about them. They are just an illusion mostly caused by the multiple abstractions of culture and language. Breathe in, breathe out. That's the idea. See how constantly we keep becoming other. See how constantly we keep becoming other. 
Some people see only things in this world, like wagons, apple trees, crows, cats, automobiles, and refrigerators. Note, note, you can't change a system until you can see it. Note, you can't change a system until you can see it. So we must see relationships between things. Start with the ever unfolding verb, that is you. That is you. I know you thought you were a noun, but notice how when we shimmer, even a little, there's not a thing that doesn't shine. Well, that's a little poem that I wrote. Um, and again, a little earlier this year. And again, I think my imagination is that when I am able to allow myself to marinate in uncertainty, to not be so uncomfortable with uncertainty that I rush to make up my mind about everything. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I do that plenty of times. <laughs> this is why I work on all this. But if we can just, you know, ease into it, just let things be like they are, no matter how uh, confusing and uncertain we feel about them. And then, you know, like Rilke says, if we live the question long enough, maybe we will live into the answer. You know, the, the great uh, jazz player B.B. King once said, I never make my move too soon. And I think there's this human quality of always wanting to know. I mean, I, I experienced that personally. Always wanting to know, always wanting to be certain, always wanting to have an answer, even if that answer is absolutely disturbing, actually. Oftentimes we'll grow certain about something. You know, we know that the world is totally uh, trashed and, and there's no redemption at all. And we would rather um, uh, feel that way or rather conclude that and be certain about it than to be uncomfortably uncertain about we actually don't know. I'm not saying things aren't looking bad. <laughs> with the ecological world, with the natural world, they are, they are. We've got lots of challenges. But you know what? All the votes aren't in yet. All the votes aren't in. As long as we're alive and breathing and having new insights and reading poems, there's still a chance. We still have the opportunity to... Um, help ourselves, and help each other. We do. Uh, so as I said here in the last stanza, so we must see relationships between things. So we must see relationships between things. Start with the ever unfolding verb that is you and me. I know you thought you were a noun, but notice how when we shimmer, even a little, there's not a thing that doesn't shine. <laughs> See, you know, the idea that we're a verb, a verb is becoming, you know, 
I love there's a, an Alan Watts uh, uh, story he tells. He says, if you had a rope and you put a knot in it, and let's say that the rope was made of hemp and then it was made of, you know, like silk and then it was made of, I don't know, something else, right? But let's just say that it, that it was four or five different things that the rope was made, some kind of twine or whatever. And let's say that you you put a knot in it and you move that you left the knot really um, loose so you move that knot and it went through the hemp and then it went through the silk and then it went through the cloth and then it went through the whatever it went through. Now, we would recognize that knot because we would recognize the shape of it, just like we recognize each other, our loved ones, we recognize. Um, but I am not the same human being I was the last time you saw this uh, podcast a week ago. I hope you saw it a week ago. Hope you see it every week. But the point is, is that we are constantly changing. Like you can't put your foot in the same stream twice. We are verbs. We are becoming. We are constantly on the move. At least, you know, anything that's alive and thriving is a verb, a process on the move. And just like that rope, that knot, it, we still recognize the knot because we recognize the pattern. But when it it's here. It's it's a silk knot. When it's here, it's a hemp knot. Knot. When it's here, it's some other kind of knot. That's the idea. That's the idea. So we must see relationships between things. Start with the ever unfolding verb that is you and me. I know you thought you were a noun, but notice how when we shimmer, even a little, there's not a thing that doesn't shine <laughs> oh let's shine let's do that let's do a little shining and that means and that means uh that's a wrap that is a wrap we've come to the end of the podcast so as i always say thank you so much for your listening here and i've heard i know that a few people have been passing this along to others their friends and families and whatever if they thought uh, this might be helpful for them so please do that um, you know, do a like if you're looking at this on YouTube or, or do whatever, you know, on the other platforms if you're listening to it through Apple or whatever. Make a comment. Send me a note. That all would be great. Okay. As I always like to say, until next time and next poems, please take good care of yourself.